0: Well, good morning everybody. It's been it's nice to see all your faces out here. We had vacation Bible school this week. So I was up on the stage every day and I recognize quite a few of you from volunteering. So thank you for that. So when Ron knew as he was going on vacation, he decided that he wanted to do a whole series of redemptive relationships, and so he asked multiple people to speak during this time. And so he approached Nuffle and I, and he said, would you guys like to speak on raising great teenagers? So we thought for a minute, we said, well, I never want to look at our teenagers. I don't know about that. And so then we decided, oh, okay, we'll, we'll talk, but we're going to confess right up front, we are not perfect parents. We're not. I know. And we try really hard. We do the best that we can, and we love our kids with all of our heart, um, but we are not perfect parents. And so we come to you as people along this journey with you who are figuring it out in the process. So, Let's start from the beginning though. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Marie. I'm the children's pastor here at the church. If you don't have young children, you probably don't see me super often because I stay downstairs with the kids a lot. And this is my husband, Nofo, who's also a pastor on staff. And we are married. A lot of people don't know that. They'll introduce (laughs) us to each other. They'll be like, no, really, we're married. 22 years this September we'll have been married. Yay. And we're still married. <laughs> so, and we actually have, we say two and a half children. So we have Keilani, who is 20, and she is a junior at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. And she's home for the summer and sitting in the front row. Yay, Keilani. Yay. Then we have a son, Michael, and he is starting his freshman year in college at the University of Arizona, and he actually is home this weekend, too. He's been gone all summer, and he's home, but he's down with the youth ministry because he wanted to go see all his friends. And then we say half because we have adopted a little girl from Samoa, Susanna, five five years ago, and um, so she is emotionally, physically, and spiritually our child, but because of immigration laws, um, she has not been able to leave Samoa. So we have... Two and a half kids. Yeah? So when we started out, when I got married, and about a year later, Keilani came. And about two years later, Michael came. And we thought all we needed was love. Love was going to handle everything. We'd figure everything else out. It would come naturally. And then you have two kids and you realize, yeah, uh, love is not enough. It is not enough. You need something more. And what that more is is wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 3, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. Think about that. It takes wisdom to make a good family. Now, really what we're speaking about today is how to bring out the best in your kids, whether they're little, whether they're teenagers. In fact, I'm going to tell you, if you have teenagers, probably the time to start raising them well was when they were little. Uh, If you see our son, he's 6'4 and 315 pounds right now. We can't make him do anything. We can't physically. But because we started when he's young on a path, we have a voice in his life now. You got to start when they're young. So we have five principles we want to share with you from God's guidebook, the Bible. And if you're a parent, they're going to be applicable. And if you're not a parent, they're also applicable because really what they are are five things that we need to do from God's word to bring out the best in any person whether it be our kids or our spouse or someone who at work.
1: That's the first point. Accept their uniqueness. Now, this is the starting point. Now, I had to recognize and value their individuality. Now, every single child in your family it's different and unique. It's different and unique. They're not alike. You know, my kids are not alike. You know, even twins are not alike, right? Now, in my own family, uh, our family, you know, we love movie nights. You know, uh, honestly, we spend a lot of time talking and deciding what movie to watch. Action movie. You know, We just went to see action movie yesterday. You know, adventure, you know, even curly movies, you know. Everybody had a different agenda. Everybody is different. Everybody is unique. We are trying to compromise, and that will make nobody happy. All right? So finally, we got the idea to just alternate movie picks. One week is Keilani's week. All right? And one week is Marie's week. And one week is Michael's week. And the next four weeks are mine. Alright? <laughs> so that's that how it works, right? So, folks, really, you have to recognize the uniqueness of your kids. Because the Bible tells us that God intentionally makes everybody different. Now, first Corinthians 12:6, it says, God works through different people in different ways. Now, the reason that God makes us all different is that the world would be incredibly, incredibly boring if God made us all the same. And on top of that, there will be a lot of work that wouldn't get done. Because if we all like the same things, there will be a lot of things that nobody likes to do. All right? So the way that everything gets done in the world is that God makes us all different. One of the great things of Parenting is helping your child realize that they are unique. That your son is unique. That your daughter is unique. You know, that they don't have to compare themselves to anybody else. That they don't have to measure up to anybody else. They don't have to be like it to anybody else. No, they are an original And God doesn't intend for them to be a and copy. They are unique. They are not in competition with anybody else. The Bible says that since we are all unique, we should not compare ourselves. Look at Galatians 6.4. It says, each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud of what he himself has done. Now, the bottom line line is don't compare yourself to other people. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of what you yourself have done as an individual. All right? Now, how can you tell that? As a parent, when you have accepted your kid's uniqueness, it's very simple. Stop insisting that they'll be like you. Stop that. See, as a parent, God make you and I in His image. But now we want our kids to make our kids in our image. No, God made your kids in his image. So we say either upright or in undertones. We like to be like me. I want you to be like me. We need you to think like I think. You need to like the things that I like. What I like, you should like. The interests I have, you should have. Or even worse, you should be better. See, parents pressure their kids to be little moms and little dads. The message comes loud and clear to the kids. I can't be myself. And the only one I get love, and the only one I get acceptance and approval is to be like my mom and my dad. And that's what they're expecting from me. See, kids are not things to be molded. They are people to be molded. See, your goal in life is not to mold your kids in your image. No, your, your goal in life is to help your kids discover what God made them to be. First Corinthians 13.5, it says, Love does not demand its own way. Now, if you really love your kids, Right? You don't be like you. You don't demand it to be like mommy and daddy. Make them be different. Allow them to be different. Now, I don't want to shock you, but, but the world only needs one of you. Yeah, the world only needs one of you. We don't need any more of you. <laughs> one of me is enough. One of you is enough. See, God doesn't intend for one of my kids to be duplicates of me. He has a whole different plan. He has a whole different dream and desire and gold for my kids as he has for my life. And I need to understand that. And my wife needs to understand that. Now, when you look at your child and they are acting in a way that is so foreign to you that you want to say, what planet did you get off of? Folks, you need to trust God's wisdom and realize that God knew exactly what they needed. And God knew exactly what they needed and put you two together, what is called family. So you need to trust God. That's the first step. Now, let's turn over to my wife. The second step.
0: The next thing we need to do is affirm kids' values. They are valuable. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Psalms 139. And it says, You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me. It is amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. Wonderful. Think about that. You formed me in my mom's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. I have a thought for you. There are no surprise pregnancies to God. None. No matter how they came, Maybe may be surprise to us, but they're not to God. He valued them while they were being formed in the mommy's tummy. They are wonderful and amazing, God's word says. Our kids have great value. So how do we help them understand that? This week, we had 250 kids sitting here. I could tell you, probably beyond a shadow of a doubt, which kids did not know that they were of value. We could see it in their behavior. We could see it in how they responded. We could see it in their craving for attention. We need to put value into our kids' hearts. And how do we do that? Well, one way is super simple. We need to give them attention. We just need to give them attention. Our lives are busy. We do 25 things. A lot of us have to work two jobs. They have soccer. We have our things. And we're never together. We need to give our kids attention. And one of the ways we do that is probably the simplest way. We look at them. We look at them. Eye contact. Super simple. Super simple amazing thing. I like to go to Costco. It's by my house. And we had to do a lot of shopping there. I have the best conversations with kids that I don't know at all at Costco because I look them in the eyes. I just tend to look at children in the eyes. And they somehow just want to talk to you because they're so happy to have someone look at them. Most people don't look you in the eye. Look at your kids. It says to them, I give you all of me. I give you my full attention right now. Everything I am is focused on you because you are of value to me. Now, this week was really busy for us. We were running Vacation Bible School, and I was downstairs, and I was coming upstairs to do a meeting, and I had this in my hand, and I had my phone, and people were texting me. And my daughter, Keilani was following me up the stairs, <clears throat> and she was talking. And I, I will be honest. I confessed to her. I wasn't listening to her. I was focused on the meeting and all the other stuff going on in my life. And she has grown up with us looking at her. And she said, Mom, would you stop? Look at me. (laughs) Okay, All right, sister. So I stopped on the stoop down there. I gave her one minute. Not that I intended, but it only took one minute for her. We looked in each other's eyes. She told me the story. I affirmed it, and we walked upstairs. She felt valued, and I knew that I had heard what she said. Another really important thing to give your, guy, your kids value, whether they're kids or teens, is to eat together mealtimes. Dinner is so valuable. Most people don't eat together anymore. Or they do it while they're watching TV or in the car on the way to soccer or football, or whatever it is. Studies show that teenagers in particular who grow up eating in households together are more adjusted, do better in life, and feel much better about themselves. We value our kids when we eat with them. Super simple. We have a policy in our house um, that our children could invite anybody they wanted for dinner at any time. And we try to eat, like, honestly, five nights a week together. And so they would come over, these friends would randomly show up all the time telling us, Oh, my family doesn't eat together. They would love it. They would ask Michael or Kaylani, Can we come over and eat with you guys just so we could talk? I wanna talk to your mom and dad. And so we ate together. It doesn't just have to be your kids, though. Recently, we invited a friend and they brought a friend. And this man sat at our table and we didn't know him, but he was a friend of a friend, so he was welcome. He was over 50, and he looked and he says, I had not sat at a dinner table with a family since I was a little kid. He felt valued because of that. The other thing we want to do to put value in our kids' life is to love them the way they like to be loved. I call it love languages, and and there's a lot to learn about that, but for our kids, one love language was touching, hugging, physical contact, We hug our kids all the time. In fact, often Kaylani's like, please get away from me. She's so good. Because we love, and that's not her love language, but it is for our son. We realize really young, particularly for a boy, if his love language is touching, is feeling, is physical contact, if we aren't the ones giving it to him, he's going to find it somewhere else. And so we touch our kids. We hug our kids. We lean on our kids. Keilani laughs right now because she's like, Mom, don't tell them you touch us. That sounds bad. No, that means we hug them, okay? Yesterday we went to this movie together as a family because we really do enjoy movie nights. I was in heaven. I sat between both of my kids who were home from college, and I got to hold Michael's arm for two hours. That was like, to me, the best thing in the entire world, and it was to him because he needed that. Now Keilani, Different love languages. She likes uh, time with us, and she likes words of affirmation. So time with us, nothing better to her than she and Daddy going to eat Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And if it costs us 10 bucks once or twice a week for her to feel loved, do you not think it's worth it? Mm -hmm. Or her love language is words of encouragement. And so we send her texts. We send her messages. There's probably not a day that goes by when she doesn't hear from us. A word of encouragement does wonders. Recently, Nofo got to go to California for a convention. And so he went to the North American Christian Convention. We believe that our kids are so valuable and that we want to affirm their value that he then figured out how to get a flight to spend 36 hours in Tucson with our son. 36 hours was all he got. And, and I said to him before he left, I said, just hug Michael. Just hug him a lot. I don't know who's hugging him at college, so just <laughs> hug him a lot. And this is what I got back.
1: This is for you, mom. One, five, two, three, four, five, and
0: six, one more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Install value into your kids.
1: All right. That's a good point. Huh? Yeah. All right. The, the third point, uh, trust them with responsibility. You know, there, there's nothing that brings out the best in people's lives. Faster than having somebody believe in you and having somebody Trust in you. And Jesus Christ pointed out, he said, the way that you grow and the way that I grow is by being given responsibility. Now, the book of Luke is talking about, he says, whoever can be trusted with the little things or can also be trusted with the lot. And if you cannot be trusted with things that belong to somebody else, who will give you things of your own? Now, wise leaders and parents know this principle. Kids responsible to responsibility they respond to responsibilities. Parents respond to responsibilities. And we all need places in life where we can grow, be trusted. And develop and blossom, right? One of the most important life skills is learning to accept the responsibility. And the only way you can learn that life skill is by being given the opportunity to show responsibility. Um, When Maria and I were younger, you know, I still feel like I'm younger, you know. When Maria and I were younger, we, we like to ask older parents, you know, who may have had their kids leave the nest. What would you do differently, all right? Because we, we're trying to learn as parents. What, what would you do differently? And one of the things that I've heard over and over from parents who, through it all, they had told us if, if I had to do it over, I had to, I had to do less for my kids And I had teach my kids to do more for themselves. You know why? Because there is a principle that goes like this. When we take responsibility for someone, we take responsibility away from that someone. Now, obviously, as parents, when your kids are young, we are totally responsible for the rest of their life. Right, Gilani? For the rest of their life. They don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to close themselves or, or take a path or, or, or anything. But, but from the moment that child is born, you are winning them from yourself. The moment that child is born, you start the releasing process. See, see, your role is not to keep them dependent upon you for the rest of their life. Your goal is to move them from total dependence upon you to independence to dependence upon God. That is your role. That is the process you wanted to lead your kids through in life. Part of bringing out the best in your kids involves allowing them to fail. And you know, I hate to say that, but that's true. Allow your kids to fail, you must allow your kids to fail if you want to bring out the best in your kids, right? Our tendency is not, is to protect our kids from failure. It is natural. We don't want them to fail. I don't want my kids to fail. They're both in college now, on their own, all right? I don't have to wake them up in the morning. I don't have to feed them anymore. I don't have to do their laundry. You're on their own. Don't blame me if you fail, right? Don't blame your kids. Your your coaches, don't blame your teachers, you blame yourself, right? We don't want them to have that. We don't want them to have those negative feelings. If we do fail, if they do fail, we want to bear them so quickly so they won't suffer. My son, Michael, plays football. If all Michael ever did was win, no, he won't be good anymore. If all Michael did was win, he won't be good anymore. It's that feeling like he is striving to be the best that leads him to be good. And I want to brag about him a little bit. I want to brag my, kids, my Michael a little bit. He was an All-American last year and the number one recruit instead of Hawaii. All right? So not because he always won, but because he learned to fight hard to win. There was effort, and it took effort. The truth is, in life, everybody fails. That's the truth. Everybody fails. I fail. She fails. Right? Buster Cal fails. Everybody fails. Nobody is good at everything. The key is not not failing in life is learning how to rebound from it, all right? A totally unbroken string of successes is the character of disaster. They don't know how to re- respond. Rebound when they fail. If you protect your kids from all failure in life, and when they do fail, you immediately, immediately bail them out. And you're not letting them face the consequences of their stupid mistakes. But when they face go out of the world, they face the real consequences in life. And that is devastating. See, kids who only have success in their life have fear of failure more than kids who have failed. Overprotecting your kids is a form of rejection. See, when you don't give your kids the opportunity to fail, then what you do is saying you are not competent. You are not good enough. You can't handle it. So I am going to do it for you because you are not good enough. That keeps the kids dependent upon yourself. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 5, we are each responsible for our own actions. When your kids fail, don't let them blame you. When your kids fail, don't let them blame anybody else. Right, Keilani? When you fail, don't blame me. Don't blame your mom. You're in college. You fail in your classes. Don't blame me. You're on your own. Right? Don't blame anybody Anybody else. Why? Because we must all learn that we are each responsible for our own actions, right? That is a desperately needed truth today. Because, because we are living in a nation of victim, and everybody is a victim today. It's all about somebody else's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's my coach's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Any problem in your life is the government's fault, environment's fault, education's fault, on and on and on and on. But the Bible says we are each responsible for our own conduct. In the long run, we are far better off trusting our kids too much than we are trusting them too little. Now my wife will talk about the fourth point.
0: We need to correct our kids without condemning them. All of us at times mess up. The Bible's really clear about that. We've all sinned. And and yet God's plan has been to discipline us. It says in Hebrews 10:16, He disciplines those he loves. It also says in Proverbs 19:18, Correct your children while there is still hope. Do not let them destroy themselves. When we don't discipline our kids appropriately, we're basically saying we don't love you enough to bother. And it doesn't have to be always harsh. It doesn't have to be extreme. It has to be teaching. Are we teaching our kids when we make a mistake? Now, sometimes, occasionally, I have been known to yell at my kids. And I get excited. And you know what? Sometimes it feels good to yell at them. There is a release in yelling, right? But, and I might even get a behavior from it when I yell at them. But it really doesn't teach them anything. It doesn't help the behavior later on. Discipline is teaching them the right path. So don't yell. And really watch the words that you use. It says in Ephesians 4, 29, don't use harmful words. Use only helpful words, that kind that build them up. There is no stupid action. There's actions we can learn from and actions that help us go forward, right? Be kind in the words you say to your kids because our fifth point is we need to love our kids unconditionally. The greatest thing we can do for our children is to point them to Jesus. The second greatest thing we can do is help them realize that he loves them unconditionally unchanging, it is not based on their behavior, it is not based on how pretty they are, it is not based on how amazing their athletic skills are. He loves us all, all of the time, unchangingly. Take that in for a minute. You are loved, not because of anything you did. What happens if we teach our kids that? In our household, one of the ways we taught our kids about unconditional love was we forgave them. There is a lot to forgive in in parenting. There is a lot to forgive in in a parent-child relationship. Now, the verse right after John 3.16 that we taught our kids was Ephesians 4.32. We actually had a little song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it goes like this. I'm not singing it. Be kind and loving to one another, forgiving each other as God forgave you. So we would fight or they would fight and we'd be like Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, you know, and they knew it. And we said, God forgave us from all the things we did, so we forgive you. We love you like that. When our kids were little, we knew a family. They had eight children. And so we asked them, what did you do right? And they said to us every single day, they said this phrase to their kids, we love you. We love you no matter what. There is nothing that you can do that will make me stop loving you. I thought, wow, I like that. That's what God does for us. That's what I'm going to tell my kids. And so we say that to our children all of the time. We love you. We love you no matter what. There is nothing that's going to make me stop loving you. Now, not too long ago when Kehlani was away at college, she and I had a Discussion via text. I'm not going to tell you about the discussion, but we had a discussion via text. And we were getting very frustrated with each other. Um, on texting, it's kind of hard sometimes to see tone and understanding. And we got to this impasse. And what are you going to do? She's 20. And I finally just said, Kaylani, I love you. I love you no matter what. There is nothing that you can do that's going to make me stop loving you. And then I stopped texting for a while. And about an hour later, I got a text back from her. I love you too, Mom. And that night, we were both calm, and we could talk on the phone, and it was all resolved. I love you. I love you no matter what. There is nothing that's going to make me stop loving you. That's what God says to us. That's what we need to send to our children, say to our children, to make them feel loved and valued and bring out the very best in them.
1: Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have gone through all these five actions. These five things that your Heavenly Father does it with you. God wants you to trust you. Your Heavenly Father accepts your uniqueness. Your Heavenly Father appreciates your value. He trusts you with responsibility. And he corrects you with, without condemning you. And he certainly, certainly loves you unconditionally. Now, the bottom line in parenting is real simple. Even raising teenagers. Not easy, maybe, but simple. God wants you to try to, to treat your kids the way he treats you. That's it. God wants you to treat your kids the way He treats you and everybody else. That's it. That's the whole point of this message. God wants you to treat your kids. Now, I'm sure in a room this size, and with as many parents here this morning, some of you, many of you, are emotionally exhausted. You may be worried about your kids. You may be frustrated about your kids. You may be fearful about one of your kids is going the wrong direction. You may be discouraged this morning. If the truth were known, you may be disappointed in one or more of your kids. And I'm sure there are parents are here this morning who have broken hearts. You feel like you're giving up sometimes. But I want to tell you, you can't give up. You can't resign as a parent. You sign on for life for your kids. You cannot resign. You sign on for good. And if you try to parent your kids with your own power, your own strength, you are going to fail. Because God is love. It takes God's love because you know what? Your human love runs out. And it takes God's love. There is a limit to how much you can take. and There's a limit to how much you can handle. There are days and there are nights when you don't have any more to give and you're going to know it and you're going to say it. What do you want to say? Take care of yourself. Because the human love does run out. What you need to do right now is back into God. Right now, because God is love. He is the source of all love. When you plug it into His love, He will give you that power. He will give you that energy. He will give you that love and that wisdom that you didn't know you had. In addition, He will give you that wisdom to raise up your teenagers. So no matter what you feel emotionally about your kids today, you know what? Jesus Christ is ready to help you. That's the only good news. I'm going to give it to you. Jesus is ready to help you because the Bible says, I will never leave you or not forsake you. And he stands right there, ready to open up his arms to you and welcome you. Okay, now I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you how to raise your teenagers. Because he's ready to give it to you. And he's ready to step into that camp. Anytime and anywhere. You just need to ask him. Good thing to do will be closer with a prayer. I've written here a, a, a parent's prayer out of Book of Songs. And this is what David prayed. I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own home, where I long to act as I should. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your love, unconditional love for all of us. Lord, you accept our uniqueness and affirm our value. That you trust us with responsibility and you correct us without condemning us. And thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. Help us to treat our kids and others people, the way you treat us. And Lord, thank you that you are ready to help us anytime and anywhere. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.